Today on episode 185 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, we're going to talk about a popular email scam that's actually pretty effective at tricking a lot of people. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. Well, good morning and welcome back to The Computer Tutor Podcast. I am your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson, and I'm here every Monday morning to show you how to do cool things on your computer. And not losing money to an email scammer is a pretty cool thing. And if your computer has a problem, as they all do at some point in time, just give me a call. I've been doing computer repair since the time that the Family Guy cartoon debuted on Fox. That's 1999. And in most cases, I can fix whatever's wrong with your computer remotely, so you don't have to bring it into a shop. Just give me a call at 727-254-9078 or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And today's computer tip can be seen at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 185. So let's get started. One of the things I love to do is warn people about scams. You know, so many people get caught in these things all the time, and it's so completely preventable just by knowing what's going on and what to watch for. So I kind of keep an eye out for when I see one come my direction, and I just find it interesting to see how they work, what the flaws are, and the interesting psychology behind a lot of them. You know, internet scammers really are a lot like people that spend years in prison, and a lot of them actually do. Here's what I mean. If you or I were taken to a prison cell today and locked inside, and we had to figure out a way to escape we would have no idea. Or maybe you would have an idea, but for me, I would not have any idea where to even begin. But for someone that's already spent a few years behind bars, that person would be a lot more likely to have some kind of a plan. He knows the prison routine. He knows the weak points. He knows where there might be opportunities to exploit these things. And that's because he's had weeks and months and years to learn those things. Well, it's kind of the same thing with the online scammers. If I asked you to come up with a way to scam someone over the internet, you'd probably not have an answer, or you wouldn't know of a way to do that and get away with it. But the people that make their living doing that, they know all the ins and outs, what to say, how to avoid getting caught, all that stuff. That's because they've been doing it for years. They've been immersed in that type of thing. So they either get good at it or they get caught. Anyway, I recently got an email, and I knew it was a scam from the start, but this is one I hadn't seen in a while, so it kind of piqued my interest, and I played along with the guy. The way it played out was kind of interesting, so I wanted to tell you about it so that you can be aware of it and avoid getting suckered in like a lot of people do, because this one has some aspects to it that make it kind of effective for the scammer. So I got this email, and it came from the email account of a friend of mine. And that's an important thing to note in this. This was not what's commonly called a spoofed email, which means it came from a different email account, but the from address was changed to make it look like it came from the actual person. This one was literally sent from my friend's email account. And for the purpose of this story, I'll say my friend's name is Steve. Here's what that first email said. The subject line is called, Greetings from Steve. 
Good to hear from you, and I'm happy you are doing good. I'm sorry to bother you with this, but it is a bad time for me. I had to make a sudden trip to the UK to help my sick mother. She was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, a type of blood cancer, and had been going under and had been undergoing treatment lately. The news of her illness got to me as an emergency. The hospital requires some amount of money to carry out an operation to save her life, and I traveled down here with little money because I never expected things to be the way it is right now. Can you assist me with a loan? I'll surely pay back as soon as I return home in a few days. Well, it sounds like Steve's in a pretty tough spot, doesn't it? His poor mom has acute lymphobastic leukemia, which is a real disease, by the way. You can look it up. The thing is, the treatment for it is chemotherapy or drugs, not surgery. But there he is. He needs money to pay for his mother's medical care. And if he doesn't, then the hospital, I guess, is just going to let her die. Well, obviously, the main thing being emphasized here is the sympathy factor. I mean, if Steve is a friend of mine and his mother is actually dying and I have it in my power to provide a temporary loan to save her life, then of course I'm going to do that. And notice also, he hasn't yet mentioned the dollar amount of the loan he's asking for. He wants me to sort of agree to it first, then it'll be more difficult for me to back out of it after he tells me how much he needs. Plus, the more we go back and forth, and the more he hears from me, the better idea he has about how much he can ask for. I'm probably not a good target for him, though, because I knew all of what he was telling me was not true. Now, in reality, I do know Steve because he's a friend of mine from church, but I haven't heard him mention anything about his mother being sick, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't live over in the UK. And beyond all that, the relationship I have with Steve is a friendly one, but it's not the type where he would send me an email asking for a loan. Steve's actually a successful business owner, and I'm sure he has lots of other sources to come up with some quick cash before he would try sending me an email for it. So the first thing I did was I called Steve's office just to double check, and yes, Steve was in the office today, not over in the UK, but that's really the first thing you should do if you get an email like this. Contact the person directly through some other method than email so you can make sure they're aware of what's going on. And I would definitely advise them to get on their email account and change that email password as soon as possible if they're still able to log into their email account. Well, after that, I replied to that email, playing along with the scam, and I asked him how much money he needed. I also played dumb about how it would work, and I told him, I don't know how to get money to someone in another country. For scammers, the service they love to use is Western Union. Well, here's his reply. So glad you're willing to help. I will need about 2,000 pounds to sort out initial bills here, but will appreciate any amount you're able to assist me with. Due to the urgency of her medical situation, the medical advisor here asked me to get the money via Western Union money transfer, ding, 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 because if I decide to use bank transfer, it will take a couple of days to reflect here, which is not good for the situation on the ground. And then he gave me the details of where to send the Western Union transfer. I like how he presented the dollar amount. 2,000 British pounds is currently about $2,800 in U.S. dollars. But he didn't say the surgery is going to cost 2,000 pounds because then I could just say, sorry, I don't have that much money. Instead, he's kind of vague about what he called the quote-unquote initial bills and he even left it open that I could send whatever amount I was able to. 
Now, usually when I'm stringing along a scammer like this, that's where the story ends. Obviously, I'm not going to send him any money. And so he gives up on me and he starts communicating or continues to communicate with however many other people have already responded to that fake email. Think about it. My friend Steve might have 200 or 300 or 500 email addresses in his contact list. And every one of those people got the same email. And many of them will already know it's a scam. Some of them won't know what to think. But if just one or two of those people actually fall for it and follow through by sending money through Western Union, that's a very successful day for the scammer. He's gotten away with $5,000 or $6,000, and it's completely untraceable. And that's the thing to remember. If you send money to someone through Western Union, it's just like handing cash to a stranger on a busy sidewalk. You, you might figure out later on that it's a scam, but at that point, you have no way of tracking down that person and getting your money back. That's why the scammers like to use it. So I wanted to see what he would say if I told him Western Union is not an option. I told him I just have no idea how to send money that way, and so was there any other way I could get the cash to him? And this is when he surprised me by coming back with an actual bank account number that I could deposit money into. He gave me the name and the bank account number for an account with Bank of America. And for a little while, I wondered about this. Obviously, if I deposit money into a bank account, that's going to be associated with a real person. And of course, that would mean the scammer could get caught. But what makes more sense is that the actual owner of that bank account is another scam victim. The scammer tells that bank account owner that money will be deposited into his account, which he needs to then withdraw and send some of it along to the scammer. That's what's called the advance fee scam. So this guy sort of had two scams going at the same time. And as a side note, I reported this to Bank of America with all the details, including the bank account number for the account at their bank. But not too surprised that I never heard back from them at all. They're a big corporation. They have bigger things to worry about, I guess. So anyway, here's the bottom line, the stuff you need to remember. Three things. Number one, if you get an unusual or suspicious email from a friend, verify directly with them, either by phone or in person, not by replying to the email, because through email, you're just going to be communicating with the scammer. Number two, if anyone ever suggests anything like this and it involves Western Union, get away from that deal because it's a scam and you're about to lose your money. And number three, and this is maybe the most important thing, for your email account, use a password that's strong and one that you have not used on any other account. See, if my friend Steve had done that, chances are the scammer couldn't have guessed his email password and hacked into his email account and caused all this trouble. So that's it. I thought that was kind of interesting. Have you ever gotten an email like this one that I talked about? Or have you ever fallen for an email scam? If so, I'd love to hear from you. And you can remain anonymous if you want. You can email me at pctutor at gmail.com or give me a call on my podcast voicemail line. That's 727-386-9468. And that line is open 24-7. And that will do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. 
If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.